Get him on side. Another special edition here on uh, on about week six of coronavirus. We wonder, Sean and Joel, how our special guest is coping because he doesn't cope at the best of times uh, <laughs> and could find the idiot. Looks pretty simple to me. It looks like he's handling it very well. We'll get there. We'll get to him. How are you, boys, first? <laughs> We're going okay, going okay. Isolation, yeah, week, whatever it is now. I've lost count. Um, I'm not stacking on the weight, as we touched on last week. So that's all, that's all I'm really focused on at the moment, is not blowing out. Uh, I'm doing that part for you, Shawnee boy. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I, Thanks, I, had buddy. A, I had a haircut specifically just to uh, just to make myself look a bit lighter, and I've been wearing the rashy when I go down to the beach for a swim. There are There is the odd beach where you can still swim, and let me tell you, the rashy has got nothing to do with uh, UV protection. It's all about the ego protection, fellas. What's a rashy? <laughs> oh, a rashy's the, the, the undergarment you wear for a wetsuit. You know, the little short-sleeved uh, uh, wet garment. When you, you, don't, yeah. when you don't have a six-pack, you put on a rashy, oh, Dan. Yes, yeah, so I used to do, do this. School carnivals, I used to swim in a T-shirt. Um, yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. you, didn't, you didn't swim in that cardigan you're wearing now. That's a lovely yeah. knit you're wearing. It's Just a beautiful quietly. niche, Sean. I mean, I mean, some of us have got the courage to actually put out the camera on ourselves. Um, <laughs> others, like yourself... Uh. Just, just have the black screen, so we have no idea what you look like or what the hell you're doing back there. I'm being told it's a technical requirement, but I'm very, very happy with it, uh, just quietly. Well, are I'm you sure special? Our as well. Do you think... No, I'll just do what I'm told. Okay, very good. Well, let's welcome our, our very special guest. Good friend of mine, good friend of ours, Richard Freeman. Welcome aboard. Well, it's great to be here. I'm, I'm holding my condition in uh, in isolation. I haven't lost a kilo. I've managed to maintain <laughs> what I've got. It's a rather Jolly, ample good. Maintains, amount. Maintains, <laughs> a, maintains a win in my book. Jolly's right. You do look good. I would have thought the coronavirus would have just tested your views on society. Uh, I'm sure you've got some thoughts on society's reaction to... And, and I don't have a sad violin, unfortunately, but I'm sure you've picked out some <laughs> ah. wonderful uh, nuances from people. Well, Richard, Richard, before you move yes. on, we have a segment called Every Week where somebody shoots Bambi. So if you've got a Bambi in your sights mm. and you wish to shoot, mate, just go feel free. By the way, Richard is the original... Yeah, Richard, Richard, this is a segment, Joel, from when Richard and I did an hour together. Uh, Rich, one of us would shoot beer. So we've stolen it from that show. Now we're stealing it from this show back to Richard. But anyway, sorry, Rich, fire away. That's, that's all right. That's all right. Oh, look, I, I, I don't mind isolation. It actually suits my persona. Um, you know, I don't have to speak to anybody or, or do anything or go and see anybody. I don't have to keep up with any of my friends. You know, they'll only bore me with their sad story about how isolation is so hard for them while they sit in their couch and eat twisties. You know, I don't think it's that bad. People are whinging, saying, oh, my mental health's going downhill. How can it be? You're getting Most people are getting paid, and I do understand that some aren't, but most people are getting paid to sit in the couch and watch TV. Yeah, yeah. Come on, it's not I think that he's going to fit right into this podcast, Richard, just on, uh, on first, first appearance. Is he going to fit you're going Dan to fit and right I in. did a show, Sean. Uh, went for three hours on a Saturday morning. It was just like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, for three hours of shooting Bambi. Oh, Absolutely. Well, I'm disappointed to hear that you're coping well, not because I don't want you to be going well, Richard, but I thought you might have had some real complaints. Uh, are you oh, training? No, I've got Is complaints. Every... Well, fine. Well, complaints. Give us Mostly one. about the financial uh, impact of this. You see, what really gets me is 
when the stock markets and all the businesses are going up, all the profits are kept by the shareholders. But when everything starts going down and it's all looking very, very smelly, oh, we're all in this together. You know, everybody's <laughs> got to share the pain now. They're going to keep all the profits, but share all the pain. You tell me how that's fair. <laughs> oh, I, uh, while we got you there, Richard, I want you to witness some Bambi shooting. Now, Sean, the trader, he's our main NRL man when it comes to this company, and he's got somebody in his sights. You've been itching at the bit there, Shawnee boy. You're ready to hey, fire away? Go. I have been. Yeah, I, I sent you boys a text just so I could shotgun this because I fear it might have I might have some support behind me. Now, I'm going to shoot, and it's not quite Bambi, let's be honest, but Albury City, City Council, what are you doing? You're single-handedly trying to bring the whole game of rugby league down or not being able to restart on May 28 by stepping in and not allowing the Melbourne Storm to use your ground. What in God's name are you doing? They should be they should be very very fearful of the most important man in the universe right now. And that's Peter Volandis. You do not want to get on his bad side. And and look, I I I often drive down the Hume from Sydney to Melbourne. I'll tell you one thing. I will never again will I stop in Albury for a coffee yes, or will. fill up my tank of petrol. No, that's wait, crap. No, you, can... you will. <laughs> Wodonga's not too far away, so I'm just going to hold out for the great people of Wodonga. But what about the, the people that you'll come smell to that, the You'll smell that McDonald's on the side of the road in Albury and you'll stop. Yeah. That might get me. That might be the only thing that gets me. <laughs> but um, who would have thought it would have been an AFL team that came to the Rugby League's rescue and has given has forked out their ground for, for the Storm to train on. So that's who I'm killing today. Albury City Council, they should be ashamed of themselves. I, I want to add to that Bambi shooting. He's a good friend of mine. But I reckon Gil McLaughlin caved in much too quickly with the AFL. The old NRL would have kept going if the AFL hadn't caved in. Look at horse racing. We just ignored yeah. everybody and kept going. It's been wonderful. No problem. Mm. Richard, no, no. Why, why is... I find Victoria... You live... You always tell me you basically live half your life down there, half your life up in Sydney. But, you know, and, and also in the country. But why are they so woke down there? It, it's, it just seems to be this... Des- mm. uh, it, a lefty might be too uh, strong a term, but it's it's there seems to be a certain desperation to be seen to be doing the right thing at all times. It's a very good question, Dan. I, I, I don't know that, it's, that Melbourne are particularly woke. I just think Sydney is particularly not woke. <laughs> and in Sydney... <laughs> In Sydney, we just have this, you know, we'll do whatever we like and we, we don't care up here. Um, in Melbourne, much more concerned about community than we are up here. Uh, I don't know why that is. A very good question. You touched on Volandis, Peter Volandis. Uh, have you always got on with him? Have you always been impressed by him? Uh, look, Peter and I have been friends and adversaries and dealing with each other and against each other for the best part of, I don't know, 25 25- years mm. and he is a formidable adversary uh, he can be a very loyal friend as well he's, he's one of those people that uh, if you're if you're on his side he's he's got your back if you're on the other side of the, the equation you're in the crosshairs you know he's just <laughs> he's just a he's a very black and white person in my opinion like that and I think that's what makes him such an effective uh, slasher of red tape. And that's what Peter does better than anybody else. He just mm. slashes through the bullshit and the red tape. He's just, um, you know, and that's why he gets things done in horse racing, because he doesn't care. He doesn't care if you like him. He doesn't care if, if, 
you know, basically what you think of him. Yeah, I mean, he'd, obviously he's human. He'd like someone's respect and he gets it from the people who support him. But uh, if you're on the other side, wow, you're in a battle. Richard, <laughs> everyone's up in arms about you know, rugby league going back early. But at the end of the day, for about a month now, we've had uh, less than 50 national cases, right? Less than 50. We've got a population of 25 million. That's one in 500,000 people on a daily basis are being tested positive with COVID. Like, honestly, I know it's a serious issue, but it's a drop in the ocean. It's a risk that is so small. Uh, it's just worth taking, isn't it? Well, I hear what you say, and that's a, that's a reasonable point of view, but it's probably such a small risk now because we did do those things early. Um, you know, I, I, I can't separate what we did from the result we have. I mean, everyone wants to look at the result that we have now and say, oh, well, we didn't need to do anything, but maybe it's because we did all those things that we've got the great result. I think, mm. I think if it, politicians are always going to err on the side of caution. They're always going to take that conservative view because that's, in inverted commas, the politically correct thing to do. So they're going to do that. I think we've got to get, strike the right balance. I think the pace at which we come out is a very difficult balance to strike. But... You know, what you're saying is we're probably coming out slower than we could, and that could be right. But you put yourself in their shoes, the downside of getting it wrong is pretty severe. Yeah, I, you... I couldn't agree more with what you just said there, there Richard. I think we're, we're in this position now. Where we're all, we think we're almost at the end of it because of what we've done. And if we get complacent, we've already seen little pockets start to sort of bob up um, around the place in, in, in an abattoir down in Melbourne, I think. They've, they've had like... 20 or 30 just pop up out of nowhere. So I think if you do let your foot off the gas, you run a very, very big risk of it all turning to turning to shit. Uh, I think quickly. it's uh, I think it's in, it will be fascinating what's going to happen in the United States because mm. by anybody's standards, they're pulling their foot off the gas at a rate and at a time when nobody, nobody in the in the you know the world thinks they should be doing it. So it'll be fascinating to see if that works or if it crashes down in flames like I'm predicting. Mm. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you guys. I'm totally with you. I'm just simply purely talking about the rugby league community recommencing. I've got no problem with that. And I don't mind the exemption because people will try and compare it to their own forms of work, etc. But it's a great form of entertainment. It's a great release for many people out there, as is the horse racing. Like, thank God the racing's been on a Saturday. Like, it's been something very much you know, forward to look forward to. So, mm. um I do. I love working from home myself. It suits me down to the ground. So I'm totally with what you're saying there about not letting the world just fall back into uh, general ways of being. But I just think football, march on, let's go. Yeah, I can't agree actually, with that, you on that. It comes back to the the whole um, council debacle up in uh, down in Albury was they they were basing it on well, it's a bad example to set to the rest of the community. If we allow Melbourne Storm rugby league footy team to get on the park, then why shouldn't the the local lads? But come on, this we're not talking park footy here. This is a huge, huge industry with a lot of um, it, 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 it correct it creates a lot of a lot of money to the to the wider community. I think that's totally um, correct, Sean. I think that the balance is that this that the professional rugby league code is a big business that employs a lot of people and and the spin-off of that they employ a lot more people people who who you know provide vision people who work on the broadcast people who are cameramen all sorts of people get their living out of that and you can control the national rugby league there's only a, a relatively small number of people to control and if you it's a bit like horse racing 
If you can contain and control it, then you can restart it. But once you get down into park footy and kids mm. footy and that, you can't contain and control it. So that has to be mm. much more slowly uh, introduced. Rich, um, uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing and, and racing got it right by staying on. But at the time, you're pretty worldly. You knew how bad this virus was around the world. Were you worried it was a mistake that racing kept going? I wasn't worried that it was a mistake because I didn't think it was a mistake. I was worried that it wouldn't keep going. But, yeah. you know, I, 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 I knew that we, we, we could contain it quickly if something happened. And we were all terrified, all horse trainers and jockeys, particularly the jockeys, were all terrified that if one of us got it or one of our stables had an outbreak, then it could close the whole industry. And I think we saw that when a jockey, Mark Zara, got on a flight which had some people who were positive to COVID-19 on the flight. They stood down wherever he'd been and whichever jockeys he had come into contact with, they stood all those jockeys down, which means they closed racing down. If you remember, they did it for a couple of days in New South Wales and a couple of days in mm. Victoria. And that yeah. could have continued on. If Mark Zara had a positive test, I don't know if racing would have started again. But, you know, a lot of luck here as well. Mm. We've been very, very lucky. Yes, we've had all the, uh, the protocols in place, hand washing, temperature taking, all those things. We've done that since the very beginning. But we've also been lucky. Let's... Bryce Cartwright, does he... He's sort of at this time refusing to... Uh. He's an anti-vaxxer. He's an anti-vaxxer. Does he need to be immunised with this or, or have the flu shot, so to speak, to be able to play? Or do you not care? No, I, I, I respect his right to be an anti-vaxxer and not to have the vaccination and he won't be playing. Mm. You know, fine, make that choice. Yeah. You don't want to play, you don't want to have the vaccination, you're not playing. That's the end of that. You know, it's fine. We don't. I'm not judging him, but that's the rules. Get the vaccination or don't play. Yeah, I think if Rugby League had to make a choice, uh, we're going to support this one bloke or we're going to shut down, they're not going to support the one bloke. They're going to no. say, jab no. and play or um, see you later. Rich, let's talk about Richie here, hey? Because there's a bit, there's a lot to, uh -oh. to go through. Well, <laughs> I, I want to know, the first thing I want to know, you, you've done so much. You, you With the brothers, a long run there. You've been in racing administration, a long time in the media, now you're back at training on your own, although I see you're back with one of your bros. What has been the happiest time, Rich, of your working life? There was a period there where I was working 14 hours a week for Sky Racing only and doing the, the big sports breakfast on the Saturday morning and getting paid what was probably stupid money. <laughs> so <laughs> I was getting up at like 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, having a coffee, going for a walk... Uh, doing a little bit of broadcast, man, that was... I was getting two months a year holiday. It was paid. <laughs> it was just bliss, but it couldn't last. <laughs> <laughs> what has given you... Okay, what has given you the most satisfaction? Uh, that's a good question. Look, uh, every, everything's, everything has its own, but um, in those early days, training with the brothers, when, when you're coming from absolutely nowhere and you were starting to train big winners and starting to be respected by the top people in the game and, and mixing it with them and then ending up on top of the pile for a period of time. Look, that, that's incredibly satisfying. It brings with its, 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 own, um, its own problems insofar as you start to believe the press, what they're writing about you. You know, you're a genius. No, you're not. Mm. You're a horse trainer. Uh, you start to, you know, you start to 
to listen to people who are slapping you on the back all the time. I see this with other sports people all the time. I've been a, a victim of it. And you just start to lose sight of what you really are. And you know, what we really are is, is very good horse trainers. That doesn't make us very special at anything else. And um, you know, since I've gone back to horse training, I've had a different attitude to it. It's a lot harder now because when you're young, everybody's looking for the next young superstar. Mm. When you're a bit older, they're not looking for the next bit older superstar. So you have to prove yourself all over again. And, mm. um, and I think it's a lot harder. Hey, Rich, if you could go back to... Uh, I'll ask you two questions in one here because you are a rugby league man also. If you could go back and relive one race on the track and one game of rugby league, what's the game and what's the race, the horse that you'd go back to? Oh, the, the, the game I'll have to be thinking about while I'm thinking of the race. <laughs> the race that, that, I, that I would love to go back and replay is the 1992 Cox Plate. It was wow. one of the, the greatest fields ever assembled for a Cox Plate. Better loosen up, let's elope, superimpose. Um, and, and the best horse in the field at that time was a horse called Naturalism, who was my absolute all-time favourite horse. And he fell at the 800-metre mark and injured himself, not seriously, seriously enough. Now, it was very lucky for us that dear old superimpose at the age of eight just rounded the field and, and overhauled Better Loosen Up and Let's Elope and all the other superstars and, uh, and won by a head. Um, but, you know, if you had a chance again, if naturalism had stood up, at that stage of his life and at that stage of Superimposer's life, and Superimposer was a superstar champion horse, naturalism would have pulled the baker's dray and beaten him. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Do you remember you what the betting back... was that day, Richard? What's that? Do you remember what the betting was that day? What price did Naturalism go into the race? Before, I think he was favourite. I think he was yeah. um, $2, $3, something like that favourite. And rightly so. He, he, as far as I was concerned, he was over the line. Um, mm. Superimposer, I think, was out around the $20 mark. Um, but, you know, like I'll, the champion that he was, he, he's never out of it. Mm. Tell me this, Richard. You go back to... Sorry, Jim. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if you misinterpreted the question or the way it was asked that you would go back to a negative race because you've had so much success that the race you'd look back on is one that you didn't have a win in. Well, no, we won it. Oh, you won it. Superimpose won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) It it was bittersweet then. Yes. You know, we won it with a a champion, but he should have been beaten by another champion. Fair enough. Fair okay, well, let's stay that. on this subject then, Rich, uh, where, where this did in fact happen and Tapes is a, a loyal listener and he said, he knew you were coming on, Rich, and he said, can you ask him, he said, I know when Doremus, uh, well, the, the hand went up by Greg Hall and, <laughs> and you've probably been asked this question a million times, but he said there were two of the brothers ready to charge you out with the spoils, but one of the brothers was seeing the replay here and just thought, no, I don't know if we've won this. Yeah. Which of the three were you, Richard? I, I sat in the jockey's room. And when Greg Hall went up, all the other trainers, because a lot of trainers used to sit in the jockey's room and watch the race. Can't right. do that now. But um, we're sitting in there. A lot of the trainers said, oh, you've won another one. Good on you and all that sort of thing. And I said, I'm not sure we have. So I walked out. And as I walked past the, the scales where the jockeys walk uh, way in, the TV was playing the replay right next to the scales. And I looked at it and thought, I don't know if we won this. Anyway, by the time I got out there, there I think Anthony and Lee were hooting and hollering. I said... <laughs> Might just temper this a little bit, and then of course the other number went up. It was it was disaster. 
But anyway, wow. look, we can't complain. We won five of them. You know, that would have been six. It would have been incredible. But, you know, we're, we're happy with the five we have so far. What's the five? Favourite of the five? Oh, look, it, it's hard to go past. Look, Doremus was a, a tremendous horse and he, he won his Melbourne Cup. And Sub-Zero, wow, he's the greatest thoroughbred ever lived, given what he's yeah. done after he's finished racing. You know, he's, he should be... Oh, I would make him Australian of the Year, but, you know, yeah. he's a horse. Um, <laughs> but uh, hard to go past Maccabi Diva. The third win there was just unprecedented and, you know... Lee, Lee, I wasn't exactly there all the time. I was in Sydney at that time, but Lee played that very well. Yeah, we, we touched on your um your your media career, and you've you've obviously done a lot of things throughout the journey. Have you always been first and foremost the, the a trainer first, no matter what you've done, or was there a period there where you sort of had one foot in the other camp? Or mm, good question. I've I've always I've never lost my love for horses. They are the most beautiful, sensitive animals. I mean, they're frustrating, but they're, they're an incredible animal. And what they allow us to, to ask them to do, and they just do it because we ask them, it's just, they're just amazing. So I started off riding show jumpers and riding track work while I was riding show jumpers. And I did love show jumpers, but there's no, you can't make a living out of it. Well, you couldn't at that time in this country. So, you know, racing was the next best thing. And, you know, I, yeah, I've always loved being a horseman and, you know, racehorse training was good. Got to a point where a lot of success, possibly a little bit too quickly, and mm. it was starting to, you know, wear us all down. We we worked incredibly hard to get where we got to, and you start to think there's more to life than, you know, beautiful animals running around a circle. And, um, you know, th- then your mind starts drifting. That's why I took the media job, because I just thought, I don't know how much longer I want to do this because it's starting not to be fun. And, um, you know, so I took a time off, went to media. But now that I'm back doing it, I, I can see why I, I love doing it because the, the horses are just magical. Can you... You said you're a horseman, that's obvious. Do you have to be a horseman or horsewoman to have success as, say, a trainer? Could you come in forensically and scientifically and have no feelings, no um, no sense of touch? Or do you have to have that ingrained? Do you have to have feel to be successful? Tough one. Um, look, there are leading trainers, great trainers, who I don't think have as good a feel for the animal as some of the trainers who are not training as many winners. However, that being said, they are fantastic at training a large number of horses and that takes process and that takes uh, discipline. It takes the, you know, the ability to handle a large staff. It takes the ability to recruit large numbers of owners, manage large numbers of owners and staff. All those other skills go into making a, a great trainer of a lot of horses. And I think that's a different fish to someone who's a great trainer of a small number of horses, who's mm. intimately involved with their horses, but has less desire to be managing the millions. And mm. two different sorts of trainer. And I think you don't have to have quite as much feel if you want to be a big trainer. If you've got all the other things covered really well, you can probably employ someone who's got that sort of feel and and uh, they'll help you. Um, but I think they all develop 
a certain level of it. It's just whether they go to the you know the highest level of it. They're all they're all probably at eighty five percent. Even the ones I'm saying haven't got as much feel. They'll be at eighty five ninety percent, and then there'd be the other ones who go to the hundred. Where am I getting hey, Reggie, Reggie, Where am I getting that? Sorry, let me follow up. Is I know how much it'll hurt when Sub Zero eventually leaves us. I know you love that horse. Do you allow yourself Sub Zero accepted to get? closer horses or do you have to just not attach yourself to them because there is an inevitability about how it's going to end dan that that is something i struggle with more now than i did when i was young when when i was young it was it was win 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 business of horses uh there's a lot more mercenary about it than i am now now i start to see horses that i'm maybe selling to Hong Kong for a lot of money and thinking, geez, do I really want this horse to go there? You know, it's a harder life there. And, and to some other countries, you know, if a horse goes to some other countries, I won't name them, you know how that's going to end and it's not going to be pretty. Um, and, and I don't even want them to go. And it, it's, it'll cost me money. It is costing me money. But I'm, I'm getting old and sentimental. That's the problem. But... But I don't, I don't, uh, I don't resolve from that because I, I think it's a different game now than it was twenty years ago, and we have to have a greater respect for the animal. And and I think if we don't, if we don't become a a more caring, softer sport, we will suffer for that. So I, I think it's a good thing. It's but it, but it does make it more difficult. Richard, with your stable at the moment, and you know, not not everyone's training horses to win a Melbourne Cup. What's the race, the eye on the prize, so to speak? If you could be winning a race with your stable currently now, what race would that be? Uh, race six at Kembla, which is in about uh, <laughs> 35 minutes, I think. Okay. <laughs> that would be, that would be my immediate target. Now, look, just lovely to get back and you know play at the top level again. We haven't got the, yeah. the horses at that level at the moment. We've had to start from scratch again, and it takes quite a while. And it is... I believe harder now than it was 20 years ago to get to that level because of the domination of, of a small number of very large stables. Um, very hard to crack that, that little cabal at the top. Um, you have to have a bit of luck, you have to work hard, you have to have a bit of nous, um, but it'll take time. We've just got to be a bit patient about it. So any, any group one, the first group yeah. one we win, which we will do, we'll, we'll win a group one, touch wood, um, you know, sometime in the next year or so and you know that'll be a great milestone and then we'll pick a harder one do you but think do you, that'll do you think you'll get a bigger thrill out of that first one back no it's not not so much a comeback of sorts but do you think you'll get more of a thrill out of that first one maybe than you have in the, yeah, in the sure. past I, I think well, look the first winner i trained coming back as a trainer this time i've got a huge thrill out of mm-hmm. absolute huge thrill out of that and you know i couldn't remember having as big a thrill uh for a long time and i think you're right i think it will be thrilling uh, we we won a big race in uh in uh, February, uh, we won a, uh, a $2 million two-year-old race. It was, you know, and it was the first, you know, $2 million race we'd won since coming back, Michael and I. Mm. Got a huge thrill out of that. Absolutely huge. We won lots of $2 million races in the past, you know, bigger races than that. But um, it was a big thrill. But do you think, Richard, uh, like trainers specify in certain distance like are you a better trainer over a certain distance and those sorts of things i do like training stays yeah uh, jolly i i, I they're, they're challenging they're they're hard to manage because you've got to give them so much extra work and you've got to manage their legs which are always under pressure you've got to balance 
how much you give them as to how you spare their their wheels. Um, you know, I guess it's like a racing car driver. How hard do you push the car before you burn yeah. all the tires? You know, it's it's that balance, and that's that's really challenging. Sprinters, look, I, I say this a, a little bit without being disrespectful to other trainers. I think there are probably five hundred trainers in Australia who could train a Group One sprinter. If the horse yeah. has got the ability, I reckon there are five hundred blokes or women who get them to win a Group One. I reckon there's about fifty who can get them to win a, a Group One. 3,200 meter race, yeah. and I reckon there's about 20 who can get who can win a thousand meter sprint and a 3,200 meter race on the same day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me ask this, Rich. I've got I've got a couple here, boys. So uh, I'm going to follow this up. At the height of FBI and the success, you were you, you treated like rock stars. You carried on like rock stars, to be honest. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> and you should have. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you enjoyed the fruits of your success. But now looking back, what is the most indulgent thing you reckon you did? You look back now and go, what the hell are we doing? Well, I, I, I can I not confirm this, but, <laughs> but there was a time, I think, one of the Melbourne Cups got destroyed in a, uh, in a drunken... Celebration, shall we call it? Was more like it was more like a what would what would was 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 like a riot, (laughs) Mad Monday. Yeah, it was like Mad Monday, and I think the uh, the the hallowed you know three handled cup may or may not have been severely damaged and had to be repaired at some very large expense, you know. And when you do that, that's just completely disrespectful. Disgraceful behaviour from the brothers, um, but it was incredible fun. <laughs> How, nice little, nice How, little throw of the brothers under the bus there. That was that was very yeah. nice. Huh? How did it break? It's one thing to break it. You got to tell us how it became mangled. I don't know. Someone said it was dragged behind the car. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, think, I well, don't like George Costanza driving the uh, World Series uh, trophy. <laughs> Okay. No, it wasn't dragged behind a car, I promise that. Okay. Now, punters are a funny breed. They love you when you're winning, but you know how much I hate you when you lose. But have you been rewarded by a punter after they have big win on one of your horses? Uh, hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say no to that one. <laughs> <laughs> What, 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 can we when we say it this way? Have you copped a big sling from an owner? That's sort of common. Oh, from an owner. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. We'll, yes, make, very we'll nice make it a bit cleaner and easier. Very nice. I remember yeah. one time uh, the the Sheikh who won our first gold slipper was with a, a filly called Bint Maske. Was owned oh, by yeah. a very young Sheikh from uh, Abu Dhabi, and when he, when he won the race, he'd never owned a, a good racehorse in his life before. It was only in his twenties. Like it was just phenomenal. He came out of nowhere. Nicest bloke. Anyway, he when he when he had won the race, he threw a dinner party for fifty people at the Four Seasons. Fifty, maybe a hundred and fifty people at the Four Seasons, and then uh, Julie gave Anthony, most undeserving because he just happened to have it in the stable. He gave him a diamond encrusted Rolex. He gave one to Lee, and he gave the rest of us very nice watches. Let me tell you. Not quite as nice, but, but very nice. And he gave all our wives magnificent handbags, which are, you know, uh, Chanel handbags, about 3000 a pop, and, you know, very wow. generous. Wow. Very nice. 
See, and people say the overseas invasion has been bad for racing. Um, have you ever been pressured by a punter? So uh, there's a punter come to you and said, yeah, Richard, I've had X amount of dollars on this thing. It better effing win. Um, not so bluntly, but there's always, there have been a couple that, you know, a little bit of subtle pressure there. You, you got the message. You, they didn't say it so, uh, so uh, forthrightly. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're the leading trainers in Melbourne during the late 80s and early 90s, um, there was always that element, especially around Flemington uh, and Ascot Vale and Kensington, as you can imagine, they, they shot a whole series about those, those people from around there and Carlton. Um, you know, we're, we all knew them. I mean, they were always at the track and, you know, you had to have a very careful management of that relationship. You didn't want to be friends yeah. as such, you, but you could not afford to be enemies. So you had to sort of be friendly, but not too close. You know, if they said, oh, you know, come to my cousin's wedding, you knew you couldn't go because you didn't want to be photographed from the building mm. across the road by the police. You know? <laughs> so, so it had to be very carefully managed that. And when you're the leading trainer, you're the, obviously the prime target. Why did you go back to training? Boys, so had, go on. Let me ask this and no, then I'll let no. you far away. I was just going to ask one question, which is which is completely off topic, but it was yeah. just to plug a hole here. Uh, debate at the moment, gentlemen. You're a manly man, aren't you, Rich? Yes. Yes. Uh, Joey Johns or Jonathan Thurston, greatest ever halfback? Mm, I, I've, I've been watching this debate, and I've heard people say that, that, that Joey was in an era where the teams were all more even, and, and New South Wales and... and Queensland were more even, therefore he could be the difference between the two. Gee, it's like saying, you know, who's the better racehorse? You know, superimpose or naturalism. You know, it's it's just fantastic. But I'll, if forced to pick one, I'll go with Joey. So what I've, what, where I land with this boys is that I think at their absolute supreme, Joey Johns is numero uno. However, I, I believe JT far more consistent. Ford LEMs. He was so much more consistent, but I think at their very, very best, I'm going with Johns. How do you boys see it? Uh, me I'm too, probably a bit more tackle. biased. I'm a bit more biased towards the, the recency of JT, I think, being a, a little bit younger. I've obviously seen uh, a lot more of, J, uh, of Thurston than I have of, um, of Joey, but I, I just remember it was more so when, when JT wasn't playing for the Cowboys towards the end of their hat. You could just see the difference that he made to that team. Like, it was just... a. No, no other man in the comp was was making that much of a difference to his team, and you know you, you saw him when they won the comp. He sort of single handedly dragged them all the way there. So I, for me, I've probably got Thurston just on top. But it's a, it's a debate that could go on for for years, couldn't if it? Now, Rich, you've got to, if, I you... to, if I had to win a rugby league match for my life, yeah. I'd want to you know in the last five minutes, I'd want to hand the ball to to uh, to Joey. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to win the premiership or the state of origin series, I'd probably hand it to Jonathan. Yeah, that's a fair call. And if you want to have yeah. a bad Monday... <laughs> no, no, there's absolutely there's no betting on that. Now, Rich, your race is on in four minutes. Do you want to go off and watch it? Yeah. Okay, let's wrap this up then, boys. Are we backing this thing by the whites, the top weight in race six? I had a little bit each weight myself. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's the indicator. $4.60 top coat plus. Four. Is he into four sixty? I got Greek hero. Mate, it's uh, it's it's gone in and opened at twelve dollars. It's now three ten fixed price. Yeah, I missed. What's the going on? 
What's no, going I've all on? Missed the boat. It's, it's, it's got a little bit out of hand, but he, he'll go all right. Hey, uh, uh, boys, still still on racing. Sugar's shootout was very popular last week, so those punters will want to go again. For those who listened, missed out last week, hit me up direct and I'll, uh, I'll get you involved. We'll get that uh, sorted. Now, we'll keep going, but Richard, let's say goodbye to you. Can we do this again? Because I've got a heap more questions, but you've been very good with us, mate, so I don't want to well, uh, waste any more of your time. You know, I'm always up for a podcast, Dan, or a radio mate, show, if you can get mate, one going. Mate, we were that close with sports. Bet. I'm happy to say it. The Dead Set Legends were a bee dick away 18 months ago from getting up. But they wanted the name, and we couldn't get the name. That's how I understand it. The Dead Set Legends name was the problem. Jesus. And I just said, call, call it the Legends. Call it whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like an excuse. You know, so I Benny Hawes. Benny Hawes. Keep the social and pressure on. at Sportsbed. I'm happy to do both. I'm happy to do this on a th- Wednesday or Thursday. But the Dead Set we Rabs will do it. We know Rabs, Rabs will do in. it. Rabs, Rabs will do it. If I promise to tip him two or three winners, he will do anything. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. There you go. Joel, start putting pressure on these people. Right, right. let's put it on. All right. You can See be you on Rich. it, Jolly. So can you, yeah. Sean. Everyone can be on it. Beautiful. Come in. See you, hey, Rich. Good luck, Rich. Thanks for and, that. Um, good luck, and, Rich. And Joel will tell you where to send that voice recorder. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how it's going because right. I've got earphones on, so it can't hear you. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! No, if it recorded your no, voice, no, no. it's okay. Yeah, we 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 only want your voice. Okay, we well, it should be voice. fine. Your voice. Yeah. Right. I gotta go. I want to see this right thing. On, mate. I can win. Good Adios. luck, mate. See you, boys. See you, Rich. Bye. There is Richard Friedman. What a champion bloke. Oh, legend bloke. That was brilliant. Yeah. So um, we'll get him on He's a month month or so, I reckon. Yeah, because there was a heap more to talk to him about. Um, it's pretty rare someone who's been that sort of successful in. A sport and also that successful in media he's actually a yeah. really good businessman in other areas that have nothing to do with racing or the media and a champion filler as well so it's sorry a, it's a, it, no it's a, it, it is a real funny one because i reckon if you if you asked um a group of people sort of around my sort of age group i reckon they just think he was a media personality and not not truly recognize the the career yeah. he's had in in training as well which it, which says a lot about um his career in both worlds i suppose well, I think also um, Lee took a lot of the credit, or a lot of the credit was bestowed on Lee because he was the front man for FBI mm. when there were four of them, really, sharing it almost equally. But they had Lee as the yeah. front man, so it was Lee Friedman, you know, and the Friedmanettes, if you like, but it wasn't necessarily mm. the case. So now, Joel, I've got to apologise. I didn't take part in this sugar shootout. I, I did my form for Sydney on... Um, Saturday, and I didn't realise we were doing something with Adelaide. Yes, yes. So we did it there, and Tommy W. He got up in the last race uh, and won it. So well done to Tommy W. There, and uh, Saints for Life came second. Jarv with a slashing third. We also had a bit of a, a ranking throughout the day, and whoever was in front, come the Oaks, uh, they got a horse, and Jarv won that as well. So hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So hang on, Jarv's doing the scoring here, <laughs> yeah. and he's and he's come, he's on the podium in both comps. Right, okay, I see what's going on. Yeah. This is good. You can't beat a good scorer. As I'm trying to back, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to back Friedman's horse here. What what was the uh, what was the horse again, boys? Greek hero. Greek hero. Race okay. six, number one. Speaking of our owners rigging competitions, I remember. Um, at Franklin's, right? We had a tipping comp. Uh, it's gone into four dollars, by the way, Greek here on top top. Um, 
we had a, a tipping comp run by a woman named Lorraine. And it wasn't that much, you know, it was, it was 150 bucks for first. Um, what organisation was this? Franklin Supermarket, right? So we've got Lorraine, Lorraine working at Franklin Supermarket, <laughs> running the tipping comp. What the could tipping possibly comp. go wrong? We're in the tipping comp. Well, <laughs> the worker. well, well wait, wait till we get to the end here. 100, let's say it was 150 bucks for first, um, 80 bucks for second, and 60 bucks for third. Right? That, that's pretty standard. Anyway, I'll second. Great. I then get an envelope with 40 bucks in it. I said, what's going on? She said, oh, you split, you, 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 you tied for second. I said, yeah, but it's got to be more than 40 bucks. She goes, no. I said, well, how much did third get? 60 bucks. I said, how can I finish oh, second? no. Anyway, I said, by the way, who came third? She goes, oh, my husband, Dennis. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Dennis and Lorraine, both crooks. What a crook. You know, <laughs> unbelievable. But anyway, um, very nice hey, baby you shot there, Sean, to get things going. Well, I mean, they're not they're not truly a Bambi in the sense of some of the some of the ones that you've brought down over the uh, over the over the journey. But honestly, what what were they doing? They, I mean, there are a couple of uh, local council is really meaningless anyway. What do they they give out a couple of parking tickets? And that's about it. But they've found their opportunity to get on to the, the national national news and had their five minutes. So good on them. But it's good to say that they haven't stopped anything from going ahead. Sean, sure, no, the voting was 5-4, right? 5-4. And you can bet your left and your right one that the five who are in opposition, their primary sport is AFL. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely bet that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And that's why it is. It's so ironic that the AFL... And shout out to them. Well done to, to, the, to the local AFL team as well for, for getting on board and helping save rugby league. And, and I mean, uh, so for a bit of, you know, ego... For five minutes of joy, they've lost themselves, the Albury City Council, any chance of ever getting another NRL game. I don't think they've had one exactly. for about five years. And I mm-hmm. think even if they weren't going to get an NRL premiership game, they were certainly going to get trial football. And that's that they've cost should, themselves. That should just go co- right down the drain. They've cost themselves 40 bucks worth of unleaded petrol on the way back up to, uh, the way back down to Melbourne. I know that. Hey, boys, <laughs> just tell me this, right? Why... Why are the Warriors going to Tamworth and why are the Melbourne Storm going to Albury? Like, if you're a team who's always had to travel, this is your chance to take largely the travel element out of things. Why are they going to somewhere like that? You might know more more, uh, about this, Dan, than me, but I've I've heard that, so Albury's only, what, three and a bit hours from Melbourne. So I think they were going, they chose there. So on mm. if a player did have one or two days off, if Bellamy was, was so kind, right. um, they could jump in the car and go back and see the family. That that was my understanding of, of why they chose there. Yeah. I think that one makes sense. They, they just had to get into New South Wales. Why Tamworth for the Warriors? I've got a feeling, Joel, it's to do with the city of Tamworth reached out and made an offer. So they said to the Warriors, we have these facilities because, remember, they need... They need to be in facilities that are sufficient, that are locked away from the rest of Tamworth, the rest of society. They need uh, unfettered access to football venues. They need things fenced off. Like they actually need a town to come and help them. Um, yeah. Mm. So I gather that's the. I, I can't answer you definitively, but I gather that's it. I mean, and to them, and I know what you're saying. Now they're going to have to come to Sydney every second week or whatever it is. Uh, and and it, you know it's like a five hour drive from Tamworth. It's not fun. Uh, but it's a very it. very shrewd um, political move by the by the 
the council of Tamworth as well because they like there's no doubt that we that the the NRL will repay them over the years. They're guaranteed to get a to get a, at least one game a year for for the next short well, while anyway. And you know, it, huge. And you know that. who it's going to be against, Sean? It's going to be some Sydney club against the Warriors, and they're going to go yeah. look at Tamworth because now the Warriors are going to pick up fans in Tamworth. It's going to be mm. a, a good way to say thank you from the Warriors to Tamworth and Tamworth are the Warriors. And for a Sydney club, the Warriors don't draw at home anyway. So let's go up the road. We'll make a little bit of coin out of it. So it's a bit, shrewd is the exact uh, term to describe Tamworth's um, policy here. Well done to them. Inside the final 50, Greek Hero's got the lead, extends by length, one flashing down the outside, but Greek Hero and Friedman get the cash, a beautifully backed horse, $9 into $3.70. Well done, Friedman. Damn it. Well done, son. I used to be on the Friedman (laughs) um, tipping bus. I would would have got a tip like that a while ago, not anymore. Just a lazy, yeah. What was it? I think it, I think it opened twelve bucks, twelve dollars into three dollars ten. That's not a bad, not a bad day's work for for Richard. And apologies start? to all the listeners. So this is going to yeah. go out about six hours after the race. So yeah, <laughs> no, I'm glad he got to see. But um, at what price? Okay, so would twelve dollars into three ten arouse any suspicion? Might be too strong a word, but it would arouse any interest from the sports bet people to go. Hang on, what's going on here? No, I don't think so. Not a not a midweek at okay. at uh, at Kembla Grange. There's there's some there's plenty of big plunges going around every day, and that's just I think one where okay. the bookies have probably got it wrong, and uh, and Richard's cleaned up. So well done to him. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> All right, where are we going this weekend, Joel and Sean? So you did big thing with your shootout in Adelaide. What are we doing this week? Uh, we'll choose your venue, boys. I'm not too fast. We can we can stay local to us anyway in Sydney. Um, what do you reckon? Just stay there. It is, for the... It's it's good racing. It is very good racing again, Adelaide. So I reckon stay in Adelaide. Stay over okay. there. And apologies, okay. I missed the boat. I missed the boat with it as well. Um, Dan Shulk did send me a message, and I and I completely missed it. So, but I'll be on board. I just want to beat Jarv. That's what that's what I'm going after this week. Well, what's your problem yeah. with Jarv, mate? He's no, no. The bloke who's the official scorer. He's he's put himself out, and you're potting him. No, I'm not potting him. I just want to run my eye over that scoreboard maybe <laughs> once or twice. Some, no, oh. I love the fact that he, he toiled away all day, Jarvy boy, and he got rewarded with, with the with the cash. So well done to him there. All right. Well, we're probably time to wrap it up, boys. Is there anything else we need to cover before we say farewell? No, is there anything from the, from the Jordan doco that we've missed? Um, I think we can touch on that next week. Apparently next week shows go another level. So we've just gone through five and six. Apparently next week it it's, it it is deeper and uh, we start to get really to the nuts and bolts of that '98 season. So we're, we're mm. almost done. I'm told with the flashback part. Um, that's, the only, that's my only not criticism but observation is the fl- the the back and forth is starting to get a little yep. annoying. I just like to now concentrate on the ra- the the last dance part. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I'm glad you actually said that because there was there's been about ten times where I've I've sort of looked I've just realised I've got no idea what year it is or where I am because you know he he didn't age at all no. throughout the whole thing so you, you can't even you can't even you know lean on him on him aging because he looked the exact same from um, whenever he started early eighties all the way to through ninety eight it's um when he was on the court he just he couldn't tell the difference but um well, well you know what's about he, to happen you, no. We're, we're just what? about ready for his dad to be killed and for him to go oh, yes. baseball. So I think we're yes, now right. 
We're now, I think episode seven is going to be the, the heartbreaker. Are you a current NBA follower, Dan? Because you, you do like your other US sports. Do you, oh, I, I, do I only follow it because I watch a lot of the American shows that talk about it. I wouldn't say it's a yeah. passion of mine, but I, I know enough about it to have a conversation. Yeah, okay. I just remember like the, the NBA when I was a, a kid growing up through the 90s was just unreal and I don't think from from what I see of it now it just doesn't have that same no. appeal to me and how you look at the old footage in this doco just how rough and the, the blokes they, they genuinely used to hate each other yeah, and you see I think these days everyone's a bit lovey-dovey they're all mates <laughs> off the court but back then they and they still do Jordan still hates blokes it's great oh, I think there's um so there's been a couple of docos so there, there was a great series on ESPN Lakers Celtics about the hatred in the 80s and it was violent and then you got a lot of violent play in the 90s and i think gen- people genuinely miss that and yeah. like in the in the in the jordan era now jordan was a rare figure who could get people to watch who didn't like basketball obviously he was that big he, he was tiger woods he was muhammad ali he was in that realm they were getting 30 million watching nba finals games 35 million where now 15 million and that's a very good number 15 million but LeBron, who is the alpha of the, of the game at the moment, doesn't have that pull. But I do wonder if the style of game back in the 90s was actually more attractive because it was a little more primitive. Yeah, mm. 100%. Yeah. Hey, boys, can I give a shout-out before we wrap it up? Um, my dad and my youngest brother, my youngest brother, Joey, he turns 18 today. And to think, hey. poor bugger, like he would have wanted to be streaming to a pub today, having his first oh, beer. Strippers. You know, uh, <laughs> six to go play on, you know, and the poor bugger's, uh, he's uh, confined to the the, 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 uh, the walls of his own home. So happy birthday, Joey. Happy birthday to the old boy. They share the birthday. So, um, oh, so do they? Beautiful. Yeah. Well, 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 as we speak, happy birthday, mate. It might be next week that he can have his 18th celebration. Now, I don't know about the pubs yes. and clubs yet, but I'm told tomorrow, massive, massive, massive day, and yes. we're going to start to get back to normal. Yes, so we could have a little a little mini party, perhaps. Couldn't have um, couldn't have come at a better time for the pubs, because if, if they reopen and he drinks anything like his older brothers, then they're <laughs> in for an absolute fill-up. So timing's everything. <laughs> Do you imagine how pissed people are going to be that first night back? Oh. How pissed people... Here's what I fear. No, they won't. What I... ma- everyone's match fit then. Everyone is dead no, set match so fit. No, so you think like that... No, no, no. You, you're match <laughs> fit. You're match fit. Doesn't mean everyone else is match fit. But you know what I fear is that... Um, we're going to have to have some social distancing. So there's going to be limitations on numbers. So everyone's going to want to go to a cafe for breakfast and they're going to be waiting out the front for two hours. Yeah. And then they want to go to the pub at night. Same thing, Mm. these long... Once you get in, you've waited two months for this. You're not leaving that pub until I throw you out. So there's going to be this big... I want it to be... I'm I'm scared that it is going to be that incremental sort of release. I don't want that. I, I want it to be... David Jones or Meyer on Boxing Day morning, just you know, 30, 30 deep trampling over each other to get to the bar first. That's what I want. We can't oh, handle it, Chorno. We're just not equipped as humans to, to handle that with dignity. No, no, we're not. All right, All right we got to go. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Sean. Thank you to Richard Friedman as well. This has been Get Him On Side and Joel as always. Most importantly, Gang Gamble responsible.